Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. All right, everybody, welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Patrick Allen. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Verderam. How you doing, Verderam? Doing well, doing well. Just watching the snowfall. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a couple days since the Super Bowl. We've had some time to... Get our bearings a little bit. We'll talk maybe a little bit more about that in a minute. But we've got some some really cool news for you guys. If you listen to the podcast a few weeks ago, we had Arrowhead Addict lead editor, who we mention every week on this podcast, Matt Connor on, who's a great guest. Uh, and if you read the website, you are reading articles from Matt and also from from Sterling Holmes. And they're joining us today, and we've got a special kind of announcement for you. And basically, we're going to be expanding this podcast, and Matt and Sterling are going to be contributing content to it. They're going to have their own show on the Arrowhead Attic podcast, bringing you their views and opinions on the Kansas City Chiefs from the page now into your ear. Matt, Sterling, how are you guys doing? Yeah, good. Excited to be aboard. Uh, doing well. Doing better than this weather. Doing better than the, <laughs> the old KC snow and ice. Yeah, I feel you. I'm I'm up in uh, Wisconsin right now, and it, when we got up here, it, there was already five inches of snow, and in all winter, it's just kept piling up, kept piling up, literally have to dig the doors out so that we can get in and out of the house up here. Not fun. Um, why don't, I, I'm sure people in Kansas City are familiar with both of you, but why don't you guys just give us a little bit of background? We'll start with Matt and give us a little bit of background on your background at Arrowhead Addict, and uh Yeah your chief's background as well. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'll never forget becoming a chief's fan. It was 1987. I saw a man the size of a refrigerator just running over 
people. Uh, and uh, Christian Okoye was like my first sports crush. I don't know who your first sports crushes were, if that's even cool to call it that, whatever. But I was 10 and I'd never seen someone with that blend of size and speed do anything. And so it was almost like watching a superhero in a comic book I'd read, except he was like real and on the field. And um, yeah, always followed the sport. Um, I've been a longtime writer, like a like freelance writer and editor, and actually started with SB Nation and Arrowhead Pride over there, um, who also, you know, obviously do great work. And uh, that was my first post for them was the Tony Gonzalez trade, like what I thought of it. So oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I've been writing for that long, and and you know was in editorial with SB Nation for um, a few years. And, um, but always was in music journalism as well. So I've kind of bounced back and forth in, in those worlds. And then a few years ago, um, the guys that fans cited, including, um, you guys right here were like, so fortunate and kind enough to bring me back aboard to run Arrowhead Addict. And I've been here since I think it's 2017. Is that right? I would know more than you would probably. So I don't know why I'm asking you. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, long time. Uh, long, longer than I think either Matt Verderam or myself ran the site, and you've done a tremendous job with it. The growth has been incredible. I think we're really fortunate to have such great outlets for Chiefs fans in Kansas City. There's a lot of really great content out there for them, and of course, Arrowhead Addict, uh, we like to think, is is the top of the mountain there. Uh, Sterling, what about you? Sure. So, yeah, I'm on ESPN Kansas City. I have a daily show on there do some stuff there on sports radio 810 as well. I've been doing radio since I was about four. My mom did a uh, morning show in Kansas city on a classic rock station. And uh, I have a whole bunch of terrible things. I said when I was four to about 10 years old, ripping on teachers, saying stupid stuff, uh, talking some chiefs football. But what really got me into Kansas city chiefs football was Dante hall, weird guy. I know probably not most people's, number one guy who gets you into football. But my first play, first Chiefs game, he takes a kickoff for a touchdown. And I actually got to talk to him uh, two days before the Super Bowl on Friday. And it was one of the coolest full circle experiences. So huge lifelong Chiefs fan, live in KC, been here my whole life. And um, honestly, I'm really excited to get this going. Yeah, we're really excited to have you guys on board. It's We've got a great listenership already. We know it's only going to get bigger as more people from the website come over and start listening to the podcast as we have a full off season to really lean into this. And we just wanted to bring more great content to you guys. And you know, Verderam and I, like, we're busy and you know we love doing this podcast, but we feel like there's more out there to, to be bringing to you. And, and the fact that Sterling and Matt were interested in coming aboard was really exciting to us because we knew that it gets you more perspective, get you more great content from people who are living and breathing Chiefs football 365. Uh, Verderim, since we're on the subject, how did you become a Chiefs fan? I know it had to do with your dad, right? Yeah, uh, my dad became a fan of the team uh, in Super Bowl four when they beat Minnesota. He grew up in Jersey, but everybody that he knew was rooting for the Vikings. He just wanted to be a contrarian. Pick the Chiefs, go in the game. He rooted for him ever since, which really was like purposefully or willfully taking on a 50-year prison sentence um, and then uh, and then getting out and winning the lottery. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, look, I, my first year rooting for him was 93. I was five years old. They had Montana. Um, they went to the AC title game. 
and was was hooked ever since. So, yeah, really more of a story of just kind of inheriting them and not having a choice, which, again, really felt like it was about to be a life sentence. And then they drafted Mahomes and, and things have uh, gone much better since. Support for the Arrowhead Attic podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. That's right, everybody. We finally got a sponsor for the Arrowhead Attic podcast, and it's a company that sells razors and cream for your balls. Hey, you got to take what you can get, right? Now, I'm just kidding. Manscaped is actually awesome. I've subscribed to them for a couple of years. There's two things I have. One is the Lawnmower 3.0. That's their razor. It's got a ceramic blade and skin safe technology. I don't know what that means, but I know I don't cut myself when I'm grooming down there, which I really appreciate. And I also, every month I get sent to me their Crop Preserver, which is just basically an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer for your man parts. It's great. You smell great. And it keeps you dry down there throughout the course of the day. I love their products. I would have recommended them to you if they weren't sponsoring this show. So I'm definitely going to do it now. And I got a promo code for you. It's fansided20. You put that in at checkout, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. Again, that's fansided20. Not only will you get a great product, you'll support the Arrowhead Attic podcast, which we appreciate. All right, let's get back to it. I love it. I love the Dante Hall connection as well. He was so electric. I mean, it's not surprising to me that that that, I'm sure he made a lot of Chiefs fans. Some of those returns that he had, of course, the one against Denver, the human joystick return, which just didn't seem like it was physically possible to be done. It's just absolutely incredible. I got to meet him walking into Arrowhead once when they reopened the stadium. I was going into the club level and he was coming out, got my picture taken with him. That was pretty, pretty damn exciting. All right. So since we have you guys, Verderam and I already got to eulogize the season on Sunday night. Not fun uh, watching that game and having to go right into the podcast, but that's part of the job. Uh, most of the time they're winning. So Matt Connor, how did you, how did you handle Sunday and how have you been doing since? Yeah, it's been, you know, it's been tough. It's uh, it was an emotional, you know, gut punch watching, you know, not just the team really fall apart, fail to adjust watching the refs. I mean, you know, we've all processed this, over and over again, but yeah, it's hard. I've been trying to keep perspective, just knowing, you know, like, Hey, this is going to happen every year um, where we're going to be there and you can't be the team that wins every single year. Um, You know, I mean, the Patriots lost several times, even when they were there. And so I'm just trying to keep perspective, like, Hey, we're going to be there every time and we're going to win several more and we're probably going to lose a few more. And, uh, and, and just realize how lucky we are to just be in this sort of golden era. Um, but yeah, for also the short term, we got some wounds we got to heal. That's for sure. Yeah. We talked about that on Sunday night that, you know, when you have a quarterback, the caliber of Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be playing in a lot of big games. And unfortunately you're going to lose some of those big games. They're going to be playoff games that they probably lose. There's going to be Super Bowls that they probably lose. God willing. Sterling, how did, how did you handle Sunday watching that all go down? Well, I think I finally found the bottom of the bottle, but you can't lose in a Super Bowl unless you make it to the Super Bowl. So for me, this is still a winning season. I mean, 50 years, we're talking 50 years, and then you expect to go back to back. That's a lot of pressure to put on one team. I I know all the people are hating on the refs. I get it. They weren't good. I don't want to be like 49ers fans who keep pounding that drum. 22 points. The refs weren't 22 points bad. Maybe 14, but not 22. 
at the end of the day, this was a fantastic Chiefs season. We know the offensive line is going to come back healthier. They, they have some, some areas on this team that they can address and get better at. By the end of the day, as long as you have 15, you have a chance. And this team has 15 for a long time. They're going to be back. And honestly, I'm just still really excited that they at least made it to the Super Bowl. They didn't have that let down or that hangover from winning the Super Bowl the year before. Yeah, it's right. It's strange. I mean, you've got all these teams that they're all gunning for Kansas City. They're all trying to figure out how do we beat the Chiefs? They're designing their teams around that now. And that's something that Kansas City is going to have to contend with. And they're going to have to make changes to counteract what the rest of the league is doing. Matt Verderam, how much do you think this loss, like what kind of impact does it have on a guy like Mahomes? He's already said, you know, it's going to impact me for the rest of my career. But from a mentality standpoint, the Chiefs last year, they were, a lot of people picked against them in that Super Bowl. This year, they were the favorite. What's the mentality going in for these guys to a season coming off getting blown out in the Super Bowl? I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back because this group has never gotten kicked in the teeth like this. They haven't. They, they've never lost by more than a score with Mahomes. But they just got blown out in the Super Bowl. How do they handle it? That's an open question. I don't know how they handle it. Do they do they come back with vengeance? Are they do they kind of lose a little bit of their mojo because it's just never happened to them before? I mean, they didn't score a touchdown. They're only the third team Super Bowl history never score a touchdown. Um, and so that that is an open question. But I think with the way Mahomes is, I would bet more so that they'll bounce back and they'll be fine. Um, they're just so talented and they're so well led. You know, I think the leaders on the team are a big reason as to why I don't see them really going in a tank unless they get hurt or something like that. Um, it, it's – I think they'll be fine. I think one thing that bodes very well for them going forward is how hard Mahomes played when that game was hopeless. I really think that's a huge thing. There are so many quarterbacks who are great players, tough guys, who would have just thrown the ball away. They were down, uh, you know, 20-plus points late – He's, he's got a, a hurt foot, his toes hanging off, all this stuff. And, like, he's out there doing everything he possibly can to win the game. I do think, look, stats and accolades, that's great. Guys want to play with you because of that. But guys will do anything for you because of how hard you played, despite how much you're worth, when the game is totally out of hand. I think that is a very good thing for them moving forward, watching their guy their leader, played that hard when things were that hopeless. Sterling, do you think that the, some of the problems that the Chiefs have had in the past, right, is this sort of like they, they start slow and they know that 15 is going to bail them out, that he's going to get the offense going, that he's Superman, they can always come back. Do you think there's a mentality shift for these guys now where they're like, hey, man, like we can't just always expect Pat to bail us out because he's brilliant? I mean, sure, but I think he did try bailing them out still, and you just had drops. I mean, Travis Kelsey, third and eight. Daryl Williams off the face mask. You had Tyreek Hill. Again, these are spectacular catches from Tyreek Hill and, and Daryl Williams. Those would have been fantastic. But we've come to expect them making these unbelievable plays. And when they don't happen, you're left sitting there going, well, why not? I think some big storylines were Sammy Watkins. Where was he? McCall Hardman, he's struggling. Uh, no D-Rob, he, he was nowhere to be found. So I think you need to take a look at the weapons. You uh, almost made it to a Super Bowl 
with one of the worst defenses in NFL history. Focus on the offense. This team will be back. Once they focus on the offensive line, who knows what's going to happen with Schwartz. Uh, Fisher is going to be out for a little bit with that, uh, with that Achilles. But when you have one starter on your offensive line playing in a Super Bowl who was the guy for their whole season in Austin Ryder, which, by the way, I think a lot of people thought, uh, why is he even starting? You have a lot of hope going forward that this is an easy fix. And that's what I think. Yeah, they're certainly they're in a good position. They've got a lot of their key positions figured out, but there's definitely a retooling that needs to happen. Matt Connor heading into this draft and free agency season, what's your number one target as far as position groups go? Well, it'd be silly if I didn't say offensive line, you know, um, absolutely. Although, you know, I'd love to see some significant edge investment as well. You know, wide receiver has to be, you know, we all know kind of the positions. I, I think to piggyback a little bit on what both of these guys have also said though, like how will the chiefs respond and, and whatnot. You asked me, you know, like I, I would say offensive line at first, but like these offensive linemen are going to have a chip on their shoulder. Andy Reed is going to have a chip on his shoulder. I think of all the off season acquisitions for me, the idea that the chiefs could come back with that chip on their shoulder. Um, some of these young guys who aren't developing like, like Hardman or Colin Saunders, you know, who, who really should be sort of like, getting better in the second year and haven't quite made that leap. I just think there's a lot of guys here, guys who were successful, were humbled in the Super Bowl. Other guys who were humbled previously now have a full off season to sort of look themselves in the mirror. Eric Bieniemy and some of these guys who got passed over for coaching openings. I I just think the Chiefs have a ton of guys who are like, you know what, somehow we're still not being taken seriously, not being given the respect, not given the opportunity, etc. And uh, so I like the idea that these veteran offensive linemen are going to have to play for their jobs if they want to prove they're healthy and still have something at the age of 30. I like coordinators who are hungry for a head coaching job. I like Andy Reid wanting to prove that he can come back after such a tremendous blowout. So, yeah, for me, it, like I, th- I think when you ask about the offseason acquisition, I think it's more of that mental edge that I'm hoping that they sort of hold on to eight months from now. There's certainly no shortage of motivation for this team. One last thing on the offensive line I want to ask you, Matt Verderam, is a thought I had the other day with Eric Fisher. He's got a big cap number, but he can be cut for some cap relief. Now that he has this Achilles injury, do you think the Chiefs try to reach an injury settlement with him to or to cut him to get that cap relief? Or are they going to maybe look at a situation now where because of the injury to Fisher, Fisher might not have a lot of suitors out there in free agency and might be willing to say, hey, let's let's do a deal. Let's restructure my deal, extend it out a little bit and have him back on the team next year. That's going to be something I'm going to try to report on more in the coming days and weeks. But I think any options on the table. Look, they save 13 million if they cut him. They need money like a lot of teams in the league here as the pandemic really affects the cap going forward. Um, I think it's reasonable to say he's not coming back at the number he's on. I, I just don't see any scenario where that's realistic. They're not going to pay. I mean, even if he comes back and he's on the team, he's going to be really hard-pressed to start the year with them. I, I think you're, he's probably out at least half the season. Like, I'm not going to play doctor, but he got hurt in late January with an Achilles. You got to think, even if that's nine months, 
that's the middle of October, right? And that's just really getting back out there with no practice. I mean, he, to think he's going to be full speed anytime before Thanksgiving is just, in my opinion, wishful thinking. It would require an incredible recovery. And Eric Fisher, while in great shape, is a large individual. This is not a guy who weighs a buck seven. So I think, you know, you have to factor that in. Mitchell Schwartz, we don't know. Is he going to retire? Is he going to come back? You know, that back injury is significant. My understanding is that's an open question, that he might retire. He hasn't made that decision yet. We'll see. If he does come back, is he healthy? They bring back Lucas Niang off of the COVID-19 list, who's going to be a rookie. He's a third-round pick out of TCU. Started 44 games for the Horned Frogs at right tackle. Never gave up a sack. Chase Young said he was the best tackle he ever played against in college. So the Chiefs, are. I know internally they had a second-round grade on him. They are very hopeful that he is going to be a part of the future. Um, you'd also have to look at his draft class. It's very strong at tackle. Do the Chiefs take that? And, and use another guy, Orlando Brown, over at the Ravens, who is a phenomenal tackle, right tackle, but now he wants to go to the left side to where he believes he should be. According to CBS, they're, they're looking at potentially trading him. Now, would they trade him to Kansas City? I don't know. But if you're the Chiefs, you're making that phone call. You have to. That has to be a phone call you're making. He's on a rookie deal through this year. I think, I think the Chiefs' offensive line is going to look very, very different next year. I think come week one, you're probably going to have three to four different starters than you had this year's week one. It's going to be the big question of the offseason. It's going to be really fun to see how it all plays out. Before we get out of here, I, I just wanted to touch on one thing. As you probably have already seen, Marty Schottenheimer passed away today. He entered hospice a few days ago and had, had been battling Alzheimer's. We send our love and thoughts to the Schottenheimer family. Great, great coach, great individual by all accounts. Um, but something happened today that really pissed me off. And it was the Washington Post put out a headline in their obituary for Marty. And I don't have the exact words in front of me, but it essentially was like NFL coach whose teams wilted in the playoffs dies. I know we all saw it. What was everyone's reaction to it? What the hell were they thinking at the Washington Post? Let's start with Sterling. Yeah, that's just terrible. That, that's just, that can't happen. Whoever that writer was is soft. It's cowardly. It's taken a cheap shot. All of the terrible adjectives you can say about that, he did because you just don't do that. You just don't. Yeah, it was so strange. I mean, when you, you look, you part of the, like in journalism, obviously, like you're writing the obituary, you're supposed to tell the story of the person's life. And the person was a, if the person was a public figure, right? Like you need to mention some of the things about them, good and bad at times. But like Marty's team's losing in the playoffs is not like, it's not relevant at all. It's not relevant to Marty Schottenheimer's life at all. It's not like if you've got somebody who like, you know, did a lot of good, but like also had allegations of like, you know, some sorts of crimes or things like that. Like you, that's something maybe you have to mention in an obituary of a public figure. Marty Schottenheimer losing, his team's losing in the playoffs is not something that needs to be in an obituary. Matt, Connor, what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we all thought it was extremely poor taste. I think what, you know, what it exposes to me is what's the accountability or the process there for editing at the post? Like, like I mean, like, what are the layers that are not in place to let that go up? Because if there are multiple layers that allow that headline to be in play for whatever reason, 
you know, then you have some real problems. So it's not just one egregious person who actually thought and typed those words. There's got to be a copy editor, some sort of lead editor that, I mean, yeah, to me, it's a fireable offense. Uh, I also don't just think I'm being a homer there and, and, um, and sentimental about Marty. That's just unprofessional in a, in a, uh, in an industry where trust and integrity is utmost. Yeah. And, and, and integrity is a word, one of the first words that I would use to describe Marty Schottenheimer, who's been battling a horrible illness and whose family has been speaking out. His daughter did a, a, tr- a tremendous t- TED talk, which we've mentioned on this podcast. If you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. It's it's uh, bring a box of tissues with you, but it's fantastic. And it shines a light on what people and families dealing with Alzheimer's have to go through. Matt Verderam, what what went through your mind when you saw that headline? I won't even waste time with it. Um, it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And I, I agree with Matt. Look, I would have no problem if whoever wrote the headline was fired. Your job is to get that correct. And it's to be sensitive. And if we did something over here like that on fan side and I was responsible for that, I would expect the bare minimum to be suspended. I mean, that that's the way that goes. You know, I remember the day when tragically Kobe Bryant passed away and I happened to be on the desk. You're, you're, at that point, it's your job to relay the news in a professional manner. It is not your job to editorialize and it's not your job, certainly, to take a shot at that person. Um, and the idea that they were trying out headlines, excuse the language, it's just bullshit. I mean, who, who needs to try out that headline to realize it's not a good one? But moving on from that, look, I, I choose to look at it. Marty passed away, I believe it was 78, 77, 78 years old. Um, it's tragic. You know, it's, it's a brutal disease to have to go through, uh, both for the person and for the family. Obviously, you know, thoughts are with them. Marty, to me, and not because he was a coach of the Chiefs. Um, he is the most overlooked and misunderstood coach in NFL history. It is so unfair that he gets blame placed at his feet for all these losses in Cleveland and Kansas City in the playoffs. Go find me the game where he had the better quarterback and lost. I mean, you could argue Montana in the 93 championship game. Montana was 37 years old. They lost to Jim Kelly, who's also a Hall of Famer. And the Bills, who went to four straight Super Bowls. He got fired from a team in Washington that he had eight and eight after his first year. That team had no talent. He got fired in San Diego after going 14 and two. Like Marty Schottenheimer to me absolutely is a Hall of Fame coach. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He is better than other coaches who are in the Hall of Fame, quite frankly. He just never had the quarterback. And, you know, people always look at him and talk about his offensive conservatism. But I would say that, that was the best way to play with a lot of those teams. You had to be that way. If they opened it up, they would have lost. I, but for me, I will always look at him and say he was a leader of men. People loved playing for him. He got the best out of guys. And that, in a lot of ways, is the ultimate compliment to a coach, right? Like, a lot of coaches can take a great, talented, ultra, you know, uh, Hall of Fame-level team and win. Barry Switzer won a Super Bowl. I don't think anybody thinks Barry Switzer's a better head coach than Marty Schottenheimer, right? Marty Schottenheimer got the best out of guys. He treated them like men. They respected him. A lot of them loved him. So, to me, his legacy, in my mind, is someone who got the absolute best out of the people around them and out of himself, and that's not a bad legacy to have. Well said. 
Absolutely agree. And if you see the outpouring of love and support for Marty and his family on Twitter, and you see all the teams that he coached, the Browns and Washington and all these teams, the Chargers, who he did a great job with, uh, and their fans coming out. Marty, everybody loved Marty. The fans of these teams loved Marty. And um, he's he's surely going to be missed and left a, a really incredible mark on the game. All right, before we get out of here, we've got Sterling, we've got Matt now, and uh, can you guys just, do you want to speak for a moment about like what what can what can the Arrowhead Addict listeners expect on your version of the Arrowhead Addict podcast? Sterling. Oh, you want me? Okay, sure. It's basically, sure. Do you like obscure references like the show Archer? Do you like uh, someone who somewhat sounds like Jim Rome, but a little bit different do you like uh do you like me asking matt very funny questions like like matt for example you talk about a chip on your shoulder it better be barbecue flavored love it love it see there we go and by the way i think we need to team and brand that because that's going to take off we need to make shirts t-shirts to push yeah. this out there yeah t-shirts i mean come on now you're, you're telling me you wouldn't buy a shirt that has a chip on its shoulder that's barbecue flavored i'd, I would. I'd buy that yeah I, I, you know, I don't know that I would, honestly, but yeah, <laughs> Matt, come on, come on, Matt. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of bad puns, a lot of dad humor, even though Sterling doesn't have a kid, a lot of a 80, dog though. There you go. Eighties hair metal references. That's that usually comes up when we chat. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of that. And then some chiefs sprinkled in. I, I, I love it. The, the, the good folks who listen to the, to Verderam and I know we like to talk about food, lots of food references. So um, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some advice for me on on this podcast and this audience. They love a good food reference. They will hop on over to Apple Podcasts and they will rank pretty much anything you ask them to rank, especially if it comes to food. So we've we've already covered cereal, we've covered uh, candy bars. I think we ranked something else, but I can't remember what the hell it was. Um, but they'll do it for you. They're a great, loyal audience. Verderham, you got any advice for these guys? Yourselves. Have fun. Talk about the Chiefs. It'll go well. <laughs> I love it. We're really excited to have you guys on the show. Everybody, listen, we're still figuring out. It's that we've just had, we're heading into the offseason now. So we, we're just going to determine our cadence, like when you can expect episodes from Matt and Sterling, when you can expect episodes from Matt and me. They'll probably be. Very special, exciting crossover episodes, draft specials, all kinds of fun stuff. We're really looking forward to it. Um, so so keep, in, keep an eye and an ear on this podcast for that information. But we're excited to have them. And we hope that you will enjoy all this extra content that we're going to be bringing you. All right. We're going to get out of here. If you like what you hear on this podcast, you can head over to Apple and leave us a five-star written review if you ask questions. And those reviews, we'll answer them on the podcast because we think it's awesome that you guys would take the time to do that and ask us crazy questions. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm an at R. Patrick Allen. Verderam is at, at Matt Verderam. Matt Connor is at, at Matt Connor AA. Sterling, what is your Twitter? At HomestretchKC. At HomestretchKC. Follow us all. Of course, follow at, at Arrowhead Addict and make sure you're reading it because Matt's turning out tons of articles. Sterling writes over there. The content's great. We're always keeping you up to date on what's happening with the Chiefs. And make sure you're listening to this podcast throughout the offseason. Don't leave us hanging high and dry. There's lots of Chiefs content and storylines to be bringing you all the way into training camp. And then we'll, uh, we'll see if they can get back to the Super Bowl. And it's, it's hashtag revenge tour. I mean, that's what I'm going with. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Chiefs.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.